the Bible. 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Books of history and narrative, stories of conflicts and miracles and healings and provision. Stories of great nations and individual lives. Stories of suffering and wondering and hoping and believing. Stories of love and faithfulness as well as sin and rebellion. Books of poetry and deep inner personal experiences. Agonising confusion. Brutally honest questions. Fragile faith. An unwavering belief and certainty and confidence. And books of prophecy and promise. Sin and judgment. Wrath and punishment. The weird and the wonderful, deeply symbolic as well as practical and transforming, shedding light and bringing sure and certain hope and proclaiming the coming of Jesus because the Bible is full of Jesus. Experiences that show us our need for Jesus and covenants that lay the foundation for Jesus and gospels that tell us the life of Jesus and testimonies of lives transformed the speak of the power of Jesus working in them and through them. Because the Bible may have been written by many authors and compiled together over thousands of years of human history, but it's all skillfully woven together to tell a truly awesome and wondrous story. This is the story of the awesome and loving God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit who has always wanted for us to know him. This is the story of the God who makes himself known to us. This is the story of the God who has come close to us and who rescues us from ourselves and from our rejection of him. This is the story of the God who has made it possible for us to be restored, reconciled in relationship with him, for us to be sons and daughters, for us to be the heirs of his kingdom, to live and reign forever with him. This is the story of Jesus. This is the Bible. And we think this story is worth understanding and that's why we've decided to give the whole of 2017 to following God's story throughout the Bible. Between now and the summer we'll be looking at the books of the Old Testament and then from September to December we'll be looking at the books of the New Testament but we'll be relating it all back to the gospel of Jesus of who he is and what he's made possible in our lives. We'll be learning who God is, how much he loves us, what he's made possible in Jesus and how we can be part of transforming our world. And the children are going to be joining us on this adventure too. So let's do this. Let's give ourselves to this as we explore this book cover to cover as we trace God's story throughout the Bible. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Give him the round of applause. That's easy. 
He suffered for you in the cold that day. He came back, blue fingers, blue toes. Well, he didn't show me his toes. He just said they felt blue. Um, but, but that was good. It's great how people serve the church, isn't it? I, I was really blessed that just, um, Andrew, where's Andrew? Stand up, Andrew. Give him a round of applause. Andrew, go in next week to hire Blakely. Today, look what he's doing. He's, he's serving as a steward. That's fantastic, isn't it? Going out, serving. We need more people to serve as people are planted out from us in Greater Withenshaw and in North Manchester. If you're not serving in any way, well, stewarding or tea and coffee or help desk or whatever, see, go to the help desk afterwards and put your name down and say, I'd like to do something. Let's all say, I can do something. We can all do something, can't we? That, that just makes church work. Hey, do you know what? I love car ferries. Uh, childhood holidays to France, I just associate getting on the car ferry, uh, going to France, being on the car ferry, getting off, and it just, just happy memories. Every time I see a car ferry, I feel happy. Um, I, just, I just love car ferries. Now, if you'd ask me, Dave, why do you love car ferries? It's because the car ferry took me somewhere. Um, if you said, Dave, what do you know about car ferries? Pfft, you drive on, you drive off, I'm not sure. Um, how big is the engine? How many propellers? How many cars can they get? If I went on Mastermind, and you know, my subject, um, John Humphreys, my subject to date is car ferries, I wouldn't do very well at all, because I don't know that much about them. All I know is I love them, because they take me somewhere, they take me to a holiday destination. And, 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 and I love car ferries. I wouldn't be able to answer, you know. I love, and Richard's introduced the topic that we're going to be talking about for this, this season, this year, 2017. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. Now, ask me, what do I know about the Bible? And I probably wouldn't do that well on Mastermind either. Shock, you think. He should do better. Well, I, I probably, I, my, I, my mind goes blank. I forget the genealogies. I forget all the names. I forget sometimes the context of the book I'm reading it in. But I still love the Bible. Why do I love the Bible? Because every time I open the words of Scripture, I discover that I'm, the Bible takes me on a journey. And as I open up the Bible, and especially if sometimes... As I do, not every time, but sometimes I, do, I, I start just to, before I start reading, I just say, Lord, I begin to pray and ask God to speak to me through his written word. I ask God to speak to me for truth will come, that the encounter with him will come. The Bible takes me on an encounter, on a journey to encounter the most wonderful, the most beautiful, the most glorious person in the universe can be found. As Richard says, this book is all about Jesus, God the Son. It's about God the Father. It's about God the Holy Spirit. But it reveals to us, God is revealed to us through the words of Scripture. And... You know, my prayer for us all is, is just as if we were to go, say, come on, we want to know more about car ferries. Let's all organize some coach trips down to Dover. Let's look from the side, from the port side. Let's look at the car ferries, shall we, everybody? And let's get some experts in to give us some lectures about what the car ferries are like, how big the engine is, how many staff work on it. And we all look and watch down on Dover, and then the King's Church annual trip comes back. <laughs> on the coaches, and we miss some people at the service stations, as likely would happen. But we, 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 we just all come back, and we've learned a lot, and our mind is filled with knowledge about car ferries, but we never went on one. Wouldn't that be sad? You know, what would be sadder is if we spent a whole year of Sunday preaching and teaching on the various books of the Bible, 
and the Bible. We learned facts and information about the Bible. We learned the context. We did overviews of each book in the Bible. And at the end of it, no one had been on a journey. That would be sad. My prayer is that for all of us, as we open the pages of this glorious, wonderful, Holy Spirit-inspired book, that we get into a routine, into a beautiful habit. There are good habits we can have. That we get into a beautiful habit of time after time after time. We find that as we read Scripture, so we encounter the very presence of Jesus. We encounter uh, you know, Him in all His holy. We discover what Jesus said in John 6, verse 63 is true, where He said His words are not like spirit, but his words are spirit and life. We believe in King's Church, we don't have to have some dichotomy between, oh, are we a spirit people or are we a word people? His word is spirit. We love the word of God because the word of God is the spirit of God. We love the spirit of God because the spirit of God is the word of God. And we can, his words become lively words as we read it and as we come, think, Lord, I'm going to encounter you. Words jump off the pages and we find God speaking to us. We find we get a context. We begin to understand things. Our understanding uh, increases. So we're starting this year at, at, with this new series that Richard has introduced to us. And, you know, in the whole of the Bible, both Old and New Testaments are divided into three parts. They're, they're history, uh, experience, and prophecy. And in the, you've got it on the, on the screen there. And in the New Testament, again, there's those three parts to the Bible. And today, we're going to look, we're going to begin with the Old Testament and start with the history portion in the Old Testament. And the history portion of the Old Testament, as you can see, there are 17 books the law, the five first books of the Bible, accredited to Moses, are called the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible uh, are, are, are books of history and, and books of the law. We're going to look at those books, and today we're going to start with Genesis, the book of Genesis, right at the beginning. It's 2017, second Sunday in 2017. We're starting at the beginning. Genesis means beginning. Genesis, a book that, that covers a period of around about 2,500 years. A, a, a book that's got this amazing, explosive opening in the first three chapters that are so, so significant. Stories in the first three chapters of Genesis that are so full of power uh, that help us to understand ourselves both individually as a community, that we understand what the human project is all about. It matters that we understand right at the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It really matters that we understand the reason why God created the heavens and the earth. It isn't so much that we read the book and think, I want to understand how he created the heavens and the earth. Guess what? I can't tell you that. I wasn't there. Um, but we can understand, as we read through Scripture, we can begin to understand why. Why is a much more important question than how. And if you come to it trying to understand this as some scientific textbook, you're coming at it in the wrong way. Come at it saying, Lord, help me to understand why you created man. Um, and these chapters describe, these early chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, describe God... A God who creates a space where he can dwell and live with human beings made in his own image. This world was created 
to be God's dwelling place where he could dwell and live with people like you and me. Um, don't, please don't, please don't come to the Bible reading it wherever you are, trying to work out how you get to heaven when you die. It's not about going to heaven when you die. The Bible is all about heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what do you find? You find that God and human beings are meshed together. And his plan and purpose in what he's done as God, because we understand very early on, he's God, we're not. What you understand is that he's decided in his own will to mesh us together and that he will never ever give up on plan A, which to have this earth as a place where he dwells and lives with human beings. That's always been his plan. And it, it, it matters. And you find yourself, by the way, this morning in 2017, January the 8th, you find yourself in the middle of that. You believe it or don't care what you believe about how many days it took or how long those were literal days. Or, forget that. You find yourself right now in the middle of this story. A God who wants to live with human beings and you're in the middle of it. Jesus is in the middle of it and the Bible is in the middle of it. That's why it all matters. It matters, really matters, that we understand that at the beginning there were two uh, primal, two, two human beings. Uh, the Bible calls them Adam and Eve. That there were two human beings uh, that God made a covenant with so that they could live in happiness with him and all their offspring with. And that those human beings, Genesis 3, describes how humankind with those two human beings got it wrong. Uh, Adam and Eve made mistakes and that space that God had created, that space for man and human beings to live together was corrupted. Uh, and, uh, and Genesis 9, it just goes on. You see God, earth is full of sinfulness and God destroys the earth apart from Gen Noah and his, 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 his wife and the sons and the wives. And God starts again and, and there's, a, there's a redemptive plan. There's a rescue package that God says, I'm keeping up with my plan. And you see, even after that, there's a rainbow. I'm never again going to destroy the earth in that way through a flood. Uh, and, and then you find in Genesis 11, there's a tower of Babel. Mankind again rebelling against God. Let's build a tower, Genesis 11. The tower of Babel. Let's make a name for our ourselves. And what do you see in the following chapters? You see in, in, in just the whole plan of Genesis, go back a slide please, in, in, in the plan of Genesis you just see there are four characters, four main characters, there's four main events and four main characters. You see Abraham, just how God introduces through a man who was not perfect. Through Isaac, a man, through his son Isaac, a man who was not perfect. Through, through Jacob, through Joseph, that God, through people who were fallen, people who were not perfect in any way at all, God says, I still have a plan for this humanity that I've created. And I want to rescue them. I still long to dwell with them. I still long to see heaven and earth mixed up together and earth to be a place where I can dwell. And, and, and so, what do we find? We find... The Bible goes on. But this is Genesis we're talking about. And so I want to come and just focus in for the next 15 minutes or so just on why did God create man in the very first place. 
And the answer I want to say is for God's own glory. You and I are here because we were created for God's own glory. God did not need to create us. A study, you just study scriptures that refer to God's independence, that God is God and he has no need of anything. When the te- temple is dedicated, Solomon says that, who, you know, I built you this temple where you can dwell, but who are you and you don't need this. How can a man make a place for you to dwell? He doesn't need us, yet God has chosen to create us. Right at the very beginning in Genesis 1, we see all the things that God made, you know, light, earth, Heavenly bodies, seas, mountains, fishes, birds, animals, and, and vegetation. He, he made a judgment. He judged what he had made, and he said it was good. You know, God loves created matter. <laughs> it's his idea. Um, do you know how many galaxies there are? There's a lot. I'm talking not stars, galaxies. The sun is the nearest star to us. But do you know how many galaxies there are? Uh, Astronomers talked about the number of known galaxies, but in recent times, they've multiplied the number in the last year or so, they've multiplied the number of known galaxies by 10. And they say that are now around, they estimate that there are around, not these aren't stars, these are galaxies, they estimate there are about 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. And they're getting very excited because in October 2018, they're launching the James Webb Telescope, which I'm told will be much, much, which will be, you know, 100 times better than the Hubble Telescope that you might have heard of, what can see so far. This new telescope can go right deeper into the universe and see things sort of in infrared and whatever. And they're very, very excited about it. And, um, when, you know, it just blows your mind, doesn't it? You can't understand true two trillion universes. I start to believe in Star Trek. <laughs> uh, but but you, 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 you read that, it's amazing. You know, God likes the world. In fact, in what is the oldest book, if we were reading the Bible chronologically, what is probably the oldest book in the Bible, Job, there's a verse there in Job 38, verse 7, where the Lord is talking to Job and describing what happened at creation. And he says this, he says, the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Can you imagine? Two trillion galaxies... <laughs> Stars, let's have another universe of and another, and another, and another, and another. And the angels uh, shouting for joy, the morning stars singing together is how the Lord describes it to Job. A beautiful time, the time of creation. Amazing. Coming down to earth, this space, in all this two trillion galaxies where God says, I want to dwell with humanity. That makes it. The earth and the water in Genesis 1, God saw that it was good. The sun and moon, Genesis 1.18, God saw that it was good. Fish and birds, Genesis 1.21, God saw that it was good. The beast and the livestock, God saw that it was good. These things, Psalm 19 verse 1, it tells us in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I struggle. I could not do what some people do, which is work in an office space where you have no windows. I, I, I need to see the sky. Because the sky, every time I look at the sky, yes, even a Manchester sky. I think it's declaring the glory of God. Um, and 
When I was teaching at the school across the road here, I, I, as a form teacher, which wasn't for very long, but as a form teacher, I used to get, because we used to do a devotional time with a class each day, I used to get them just look, you know, your year seven class, just look at the sky. They thought I was mad. <laughs> look at the sky, what's it saying? He's mad. Um, but, but hey, I remember Terry Waite, um, who went to that school, actually met him there. But Terry Waite, who was taken prison by Hezbollah for four years and kept in solitary confinement for, for most of that time, said the worst part, the most difficult part for him was being in a cell where he could not see the sky. I thought, Terry, wait, I'm with you on that. I, I just love to see the sky. I have to see the sky. You know, these things declare the glory of God. And, and all of creation, God says, yes, good, good, good. In the variety, the complexity expressed, the, 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 the greatness of God's wisdom. But, you know, all those created things, something not so wonderful as you and I. Um, they didn't share God's spirit. They didn't share his thoughts and his holiness. They were created matter that he could not share his hopes, his thoughts, his dreams with. So Genesis 1, 26 says this. So God said, let us make man, meaning men and women, uh, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And God did it. So God created man in his image, male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything he had made and he said it was very good. Do you understand it wasn't very good until humankind had been created. Uh, made in his image. Do you understand when God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit wanted to make something that, that was so like him more than that you, he chose to create you, us. And said, you're like him more than anything else. Do you understand? We are, as human beings, we are the pinnacle of his creation. You say, Dave, but the Alps are wonderful. The, the, the Pyrenees, have you not flown over the Alps and seen what? Yes, I have. Have you seen the oceans? Have you seen the birds? Have you seen? Yes, I have. But when God wanted something that represented him more than anything else, he chose to create you and I. And, and there's something amazing because we share, we have the possibility of having, of, by our alignment with him, by declaring him to be Lord of our lives, that heaven can come to earth, or even in a rebellious world, we can create little heavens on earth and begin to spread that rule and reign, even as Joseph prophesied this morning, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. See, there was something about, you know, when God spoke some of these things, let there be light. He speaks. It's outside of himself. Light comes. Don't ask, don't ask me how it happened. Let the or he said about things that had already been produced outside of himself. Let the land produce uh, livestock. Let the land, let the fish, let the sea produce fish. Things he'd already created produced other things, we read in Genesis 1. But when it came to you and to me, it wasn't something that he just said. It wasn't just something that was created outside of himself. The language of creation moves to his very heart, his very soul. And God, Father, Son and Spirit say, let us make man 
in our image. And that's why there's something of God in every human being. No matter how wicked, how sinful they are, they are made in the image of God. And although that image has been tarred and stained because of sin, yet there is still something of the image of God in every human being. It's why we respect everyone, no matter how sinful and wicked they've been. They are still precious in God's sight. They're still worth saving. They're still, God still invests everything into them and calls them to himself and says, Come on, get reconciled to me. Um, God. So why did God create man? That's the question we're asking. He didn't need to create. When I was in Sunday school, I remember the Sunday school teachers saying, Dave, God created Adam and Eve because one day he felt lonely <laughs> and he needed some friends. No. Oh. 